be on the dugout. Lay some up and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Pitch you on the mound like you don't wanna face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases. Do it for your teammates, do it for the fan. Do it for your city, true ballers understand. You gotta work together, you gotta find a way. Put your body on the line and make that play. Be on the dugout. Lay some up and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Pitch you on the mound like you don't wanna face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Well, a very pleasant uh, drive time here on the 4th of June is episode 8 of Beyond the Dugout. I'm Jason Gubis, aka Chopper, and joining me, the ever characteristic or charismatic, take your pick, it's Damien Collins. I'll take either, mate. Thanks. Good to be here. How are you, mate? This is our first uh, where I'm looking at your gorgeous face on the TV screen. I like it, actually. It kind of say feels a little funny, but I'm in the 09, you're in the 04, and uh, I know our guest is going to be in the 04 because they're kind of even outnumbered tonight. Yes, yes, we can talk about you behind your back. We'll just put you on mute for a second and uh, add, add our own stuff to the to the mix because you don't hear anything until I've edited it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, it's great to be along here for episode eight, but it's been a, it's been a great week of sport here locally. Um, let's have a look at a little bit of that uh, for you. Now, let's start with the rugby men. And, and as we know, over the first two weeks of the uh, Trans-Hasman Super Rugby Competition, uh, the New Zealand teams will be having their own way, but not this week. One of them pops up, and that's the winner of the Australian uh, Conference. Uh, the Queensland Reds get the win over the Chiefs this week. Yeah, they're, they're bound to get one, eh? So 14-1 after three rounds isn't too bad. Chiefs, yeah, they, they had a shocker of a first first, uh, first half, but... Um, they fought back and got they got close in the second, but yet that's their the Aussies are one and only win for the, for this round. It is indeed a solid win. One of the things that's really stuck out for me if I look across all the scores over the first three weeks though, is this the games are high scoring matches. I'm not too sure what that's all about, but uh, hopefully the competition tightens a little as we go into the last couple of weeks. Got to tackle, mate. You got to tackle. It's all it's all fun and games having tries, but you gotta tackle. That's, that's my two cents. Indeed. Let's go straight to the uh, to the NBA there into their uh, second week of, of playoffs now. I mean, how's mm. that going? Well, we've all, we've already got our first second round matchup uh, that's been confirmed. The Brooklyn Nets are taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, that's going to be intense. KD against Giannis. Um, but um, across uh, across the other rounds, it's it's pretty neck and neck. You know, Utah are up on on the Grizzlies. Clippers and the Mavs are tied at two apiece. Denver went double overtime to get the win over the Trailblazers today, even with Lillard um, doing that uh, buzzer beater with the clutch. Uh, first or second overtime, I'm not sure. And then, oh my God, if you watch the Lakers uh, play the Suns this week, definitely not defending champions going down by 30 points. <laughs> so, Stop rubbing your head when you talk about the Lakers. Oh, mate, oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. I tell you something, what's the rub you hit about uh, Portland's Damien Lillard with that shot in, to force overtime? How mm. cool was that? Yeah, well, Denver Denver going in as the third seed, they've been pretty pretty solid all season, eh? But Lillard, Dame time, when he goes, you know, he's 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 broken some hearts over the years. And, um, yeah, he could have, oh, mate, that moment we had to go to overtime uh, today was, was awesome. But, uh, yeah, just unfortunately they didn't get the win. Well, it's something a little closer to home now, the NRL and uh, our Warriors. 
I hang in in there, bud. They're right on the bubble of the, uh, the top eight. These four teams are tied on 10 points at this point, so we wish them luck. They have the bye this weekend because coming up next week, I can't wait, Damien. It is state of O, state of origin. New South Wales taking on Queensland. Something about Aussies smashing each other just ticks the bucket for me. Absolutely. What colour do you wear, mate? Maroon, Guzzy. Maroon. Oh, fair enough. I'm a Queenslander. Hard. We'll have to Damn put a down. wager on it because I, I wear blue, oh. but because the old man did and, you know, We'll take it to you, Reds. Oh, Maroon, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, the tail for me is going to be the halves, the two halves. Uh, Daly Cherry Evans for Queensland and uh, Young Cleary for New South Wales, mate. It's a role reversal with your ages. 32 for uh, Cherry Evans and 23 for Cleary for New South Wales. Two great halves, obviously at two different ends of their career. It's always a, it's always a good spectacle. Do you think we're ever going to get one over at Eden Park? They've been talking about it for years that maybe, do you reckon, never? Oh, look, you know what? They should because it would sell out for oh, sure. Easy. You know, the state of Rose is so cleanly watched here in New Zealand, has been done for years. So it'd be a good, good marketing ploy for the for the NRL. Uh, and I'd love to see it because every time I get to watch it here, as you know, the game doesn't finish till yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the next day's a bit, <laughs> a bit week, long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So anyway, we'll uh, we'll wait until next Wednesday until Queensland smashes uh, the <laughs> New South Wales. Hey, wait a minute. I can't go past uh, Daddy Terry Evans' uh, victory speech last year because, you know, to be fair, and this year, New South Wales have got the best team, right? They do. On paper, they are the best athlete or athlete across the across the board. The Daily Terry Evans comes up and goes on behalf of the uh, the worst Queensland team ever. Thank you for the win. Oh wow! <laughs> Sorry about it. That's a bit of honesty, right there. <laughs> Did that hurt? No, not really. I don't. I, mate, it's, you're you're into it way more than me. I just, mate, it's two Aussies. Aussie teams beating each other up. It's a good spectacle, but I'm a Kiwi and proud of it. So. Yeah, I know. Me too, man. I can't wait, though, for uh, State of Origin next week. Looking forward to that, for sure. And, of course, the Warriors are following. Well, you had a big week yourself, mate, uh, home domestically. You had your old boys day at Avalon. How did that go? Did Wait a minute. Did you win? Or did the team? I, to be honest, mate, I had such a big week that I might have opened the first can at about 11 a.m. on um, okay, on, on Saturday. So I know we put up a good fight in the first half, but then Wainui ran away with it in the second half. So they, Waldrum, uh, they won the Tony Waldrum uh, trophy for another year, but um, hell of a day. I had a good... Uh, Epic few days professionally and personally, and um, yeah, that was my my day to blow out. So I had a few boys around to start the day here, and the missus dropped us off, and um, yeah, we got OTP. It was awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Another day, another year to bring out the blazer, you know, after my penguin suit on Thursday, and then, yeah, good times. <laughs> Talking about the penguin suit on Thursday, emceeing uh, the Hutt Valley Sports Awards, buddy, in front of 1,600 people there. Uh, nope. so it's a, how did that feel, mate? How did that feel? It was awesome. It was, <laughs> I was, um, yeah, I get, I definitely get nerves speaking in front of you, especially like reading words. I, I don't know. It's a, some people say it's a skill. Some people are like, you can't read, but there's a difference. <laughs> but, you know, I, a few years ago, I put on Facebook, got some love for it, but a few years ago, honestly, I couldn't read a 30 second ad in a production booth where we would have to do it line for line. And that's just because I've never been a reader. And, speaking out loud is it wasn't my thing for up until a few years ago so uh yeah to read in front of 1600 people while a 56 piece orchestra or whatever it was played behind me um 
was yeah, it was pretty special. So yeah, got some good good kudos and uh, a lot of people were there to celebrate the moment with me and so many friends in the crowd. So and they they're always on a stay. <laughs> so yeah, no, it was good times. Thank you for being there, mate. I appreciate it. And how'd you well, end up getting I'll a job during it? Oh my God. <laughs> I know. Shopping just can't go and do nothing. That's the way it rolls, you know, that Damien these days. But I, I, <laughs> not, enough about me, man. It was an amazing uh, event, I've got to say. It's my very first um, Hunt Valley Sports Awards that I've attended. And easily, it's got a top of chance on the Sports Awards uh, domestically in New Zealand as one of the best, if not the best. It is uh, simply outstanding. And uh, obviously, uh, a good friend of ours, Ken Laban, is uh, one of the driving forces in behind behind that and of course a lot of other people as well even our Naomi Shaw is involved mm-hmm. with that group but uh, man you know I talked to Ken at the end of it and the big thing about him is about life is better with sport and if mm. you can celebrate it with people it's even better and that's exactly what they did that night didn't they oh absolutely you know my job was easy I just had to read the words and get from A to B because there was enough to celebrate there was enough um, spectacle if you will Um but I, let's give a quick shout out to um, all the softballers, you know, and I know a lot of um, cities would have their own awards and they're celebrating their own way, not as big as the Hutt Valley, but, you know, across the board, it was awesome to see, you know, Lara Andrews nominated for um, Sportswoman uh, of the Year, very much robbed of it, but, um, you know, she was nominated, she was in the finalists. Um, you know, those Hornets boys, uh, the baseball side with the under-16s, they're great kids, a lot of them are softballers, they took out t- Team of the Year. Um, Tane yeah. Mumu, emerging player, you know, just recently named in the Black Sox. Um, another great kid. kid. Yeah. Hey, uh, New Zealand baseball under 18s, New Zealand Black Sox training uh, squad at the moment. And what was the other one? Rugby. Uh, yeah, first 15 rugby yeah. that's just won their premiership in Wellington. So, um, yeah, awesome. Hutt Valley uh, women's were robbed as well, I think. Uh, getting it, not getting it over tighter cricket. And I'll, yeah, I've said that out loud. Are you allowed to be as the MC? Uh, I can be biased this year, but I mean, I get, if I'm a, on a judging panel or something, then maybe not. But uh, <laughs> as MC, it's after the fact now, so uh, I yeah. have nothing to do with it. But um, yeah, no, it's, good, it's just good. Um, and we all find each other, don't we, softballers? So um, yeah, another yeah. good night. A oh, very successful night. As you said, a couple of wins there, the Young Sportsman of the Year and Tony Mumu, uh, and of course the Hornets baseball team, another Diamond Sport team winning uh, Youth Team of the Year. But all the nominations. Oh, Kitty and Craig. The coaches. And Blair. Yeah, you got yeah, you you got it. There are three coaches indeed, softball <laughs> coaches involved, the nominated, the team, player, um, you know, up and down the line. And that's really, really good because um, sport in general in Hutton Valley is super strong, and you can see why with events with that. But congratulations, mate, on a fantastic uh, MC event. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Nathan Nukunuku, last week, uh, how good was he, man? Just an encyclopedia of knowledge, but boy, does he know how to push the boundaries when it comes. Not, not I, don't, I mean that in a good way. He knows how to push the boundaries when it comes to thinking about things. He just thinks differently, doesn't he? He, um, Yeah, it's all aspects. It's not just the picking up the glove and throwing the ball and batting the ball or whatever. He he breaks it right down and he's he's done that forever now. So yeah, no, the the recall as well, eh? That was awesome. The way he can tell a story and and throw B Man under the bus with uh, the actual facts. Yeah, good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To be fair, the whole thing we was trying to throw B Man under the bus, it was still Nathan McMicku driving. Didn't he crash uh, twice? The then? Moped, so. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much you can put him under the bus, <laughs> but but I've got to say, man, when uh, when, you, when Nathan speaks uh, and you and you talk with him, 
um, it doesn't take him long for him to challenge you over things. Uh, and it's a good thing. He challenges you in a good way, I think, if you ask me. So uh, it was great to have him along. And what a legend he is. And um, and I hope a lot of people just get a little bit of out of what he had to say and, um, and really take some of it and put it into their softball career, whether it be an administrator or a player or coach or whatever the case is going forward. Yeah, he definitely breaks it down. And he's the first person to actually comment on uh, the actual post as well of uh, the episode and even his message on there. You know, if anyone has any questions or any thoughts, you know, get in touch because that's what he's there for. And when you get a player like Nathan Nukunuku putting a post on well, for everyone to see and here's my contact, you know, like that's, yeah, it shows the character that he is and the leader that is. Talking about characters, mate, this week's guest doesn't get any bigger. It's the boss is in the house and I'm not talking about Bruce Springsteen. It's Tony John, CEO of Software New Zealand, dude. He is a workaholic. I tell you that. He's all right. Yeah, he's all right. We'll blow his trumpet when he's he's actually on. But no, he's uh no, oh, mate. I I think the world of him. I think he's awesome. I'll follow him anywhere. So I'm I'm stoked. He's in charge of our our um administration of um our our good game in our country, for sure. I'm not just saying that because he's sitting right next to me. <laughs> I'm in punching distance. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a choice. He's bigger than you. No, he, he is a great man indeed. Let's get to him, mate. Eh? What do you reckon? I can't wait to open the book on Tony Giles, find out where he's from, what he's about, and uh, and of course, this amazing career with Sopo New Zealand so far. Absolutely. Should we do this? Chief Executive Officer for Sopel New Zealand. Been in the job since 2013 till today, and boy, oh boy, has he turned the national program on its head. The kid born in Napier joins us on Beyond the Dugout. Welcome, Tony. Thanks, Chopper. Good to be here, mate. Damien, good to see you as well. And I, I should probably just correct you briefly there, Chop. Uh, actually born, uh, born in Porirua. Uh, was brought up uh, for the first six or seven years yeah, in right. Cannons Creek, mate. Uh, proud of that, um, and have returned back to Poirua now, uh, and living in Titahi Bay. So uh, back to back to home roots. But great to be here tonight. Thank you very much. Awesome, well, fantastic to have you along, mate. Hey, Tony, I guess with all of our guests, when we start, let's uh, as we as you've just told us uh, where you were born. Uh, nor here queer what is your background and, and where is your family from yeah thank you mate um so listen i'm uh i mean like i just mentioned uh born in wellington here in potirua but actually did my education and grew up in the beautiful hawks bay uh in the city of napier i'm very proud proud to uh be from the hawks bay a beautiful part of this country and uh spent my whole education there really um uh, went to two high schools actually i uh, went to tamatia and finished off my last couple of years in taradol high school um so uh yeah proud of napier proud of hawks bay and uh very much the black and white uh uh supporter there with uh the hawks bay team um but no um uh, from there um i actually left new zealand uh, and spent uh, a decade or so in Europe uh, playing rugby um, and then returned to New Zealand in 2004 
And uh, here we are today now uh, back here uh, and loving, absolutely loving uh, my role um, and being involved in such a dynamic and innovative organisation as Softball New Zealand. The community that we have, best ever. Love the role. Oh, fantastic. It, it is great to have you in the role. Before we get on to Softball New Zealand, Tony, you just lost over <laughs> 10 or 11 years of playing uh, footy overseas. <laughs> Mate, was that in the professional era or the beginning of that? And, and what countries was it? Yeah, so I, I kind of describe it, um, it was a career that started about 40 kilos ago. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah, I... Left, I don't um, know what that means. <laughs> left, sure? uh, left Hawks Bay made uh, in '94, so uh, a year or two prior to the game going professional. But in Europe, of course, there were markets that there were professional entities, just like there are in most sports, right? Um, so uh, went to Ireland first uh, and had a wee look around there, and then ended up taking up a contract in Italy. Uh, lived in a beautiful little city called Livorno um, and played in the uh, Serie A due there. Uh, which is the second division, um, and we actually won that division in that year. Um, and uh, incredible opportunity as a young fella nice. to um, open up your eyes, different culture, uh, different part of the world, flying solo on my big OE, uh, and using rugby as a catalyst to see the world and uh, enjoy myself. So, um, yeah, it was fantastic. And then um, uh, went back back to Western Europe and uh, kind of demisold in Dublin. Again, another beautiful place. Uh, and uh, Yeah, amazing, right? Liquid <laughs> gold is pretty good. Um, and yeah, played played rugby there for the next decade and um, kind of grew up as a person really and, and uh, really enjoyed myself there. But yeah, that was a, a different era, a different time, but that was a little bit about uh, uh, my involvement with um, the other ball. Was there like a Guinness portion to your contract in, in Dublin? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, rugby in Dublin, I mean, this is kind of in the middle of, the, I don't know if you know the term, the Celtic Tiger, when Dublin was booming mm-hmm. uh, um, over there in the kind of late 90s, just an incredible ride, and clubs were very wealthy, it's an elite game over there, played by a lot of private schools, a lot of money I played involved. for Trinity. Oh, did you? Two years. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so it was a really neat time and, um, you know, a lot of old school traditions still remain. Um, I was fortunate enough to play at Lansdowne Road mm-hmm. uh, um, and played the last Senior Cup game on Lansdowne Road before it was demolished, turned sideways and then built into the now Aviva Stadium. So, um, yeah, an incredible wow. time and some incredible opportunities and, um, yeah, it was fun times. Fantastic. Oh, uh, um, we, we know you're going to get to Softball New Zealand. We're about to get there. Mate. If you look at your time as a professional uh, athlete in the sport of rugby in this case, what do you think were some of the transferable skills that you learned from that that you now take on to your career after, after sport? Sure. I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because um – I wouldn't class myself as a professional athlete. The fact you got paid to do something you love and it's your passion doesn't always make you professional, right? It was just an opportunity that you took with both hands. Um, you know, what you learn in a team sport and, you know, how to deal with people and personalities and different things is no different than today dealing with business. You can still reframe current opportunities, risks or otherwise uh, into that knowledge you played as an athlete. Um, and I'm sure you guys both do that now and most softballers, I know Mark does it really, really well and delegates based on his knowledge and what he's done growing up through the game as a leader. 
Um, and it's no different um, what you know on the rugby field, whether you're you know um, in a scrum or backline or whatever, kind of you know using those skills transferable now into the business world. Um, and it's it's true, you know, it's so true. How to deal with man management, how to deal with uh, with opportunities that present themselves, how to close a deal, how to uh, open a new door. You know, these are all things I learnt growing up on the practice field, on the playing field, and in the club rooms afterwards. Uh, sports are just a, a massive and wonderful conduit to a whole world of knowledge that you can be transferred, would it be the family and whanau um, environment at home, um, how you deal with your siblings, how you talk and respect to your parents, to your loved ones, um, uh, or, or into the office with uh, with your colleagues, or a, you know, or a prospective stakeholder, whether it be a sponsor, a club delegate, or whatever it might be, it's just, um, yeah, sport's a wonderful opportunity to learn about yourself and just transfer that along. Well, Tony, we know before you came to Sopwa New Zealand, you were at uh, Pub Charity. Um, how did the door get open to Sopwa New Zealand and, and uh, what was your first taste of Sopwa like? Yeah, really, um, really interesting ride. Um, the, I, I was involved with Pub Charity for four or five years. I was a general manager there at the time. Pub Charity was, still is, one of the largest trusts of Class 4 gaming in New Zealand. Um, and my role was directly with relationship management of our venues that had the machines around the country uh, and also network and facilitate relationships and discussions with partners that were seeking opportunities through our funding model. Um, that sector is really heavily guided by Department of Internal Affairs and the 2003 Gaming Act. So, a lot of tacit knowledge and you know um, understanding of that sector was important in that role. Obviously, um, the opportunity came up at Softball New Zealand where they were looking to wind down an asset that they had got involved with, um, and to have someone from within the Class Four sector to assist with that was quite pertinent. Um, so when the role came up, um, I actually dealt with two wonderful stalwarts of our game. Uh, Faye Freeman and Nikki Sheriff uh, were in my discussions and um, brought me on board um, uh, to this to this position. And um, yeah, it was really interesting. I, I'm not a softballer. Haven't really played the game other than one or two social games uh, uh, kind of back in the day. And certainly my kids grew up playing t-ball out at Paraplum. Um, and, and enjoyed engaging with them and that at that stage, but had no idea of of the sport itself. Um, but back myself to come in here and um, use the business acumen, my expertise in the funding models, um, and certainly in the commercial world to uh, try and make a difference. Oh, fantastic! What a story! And so basically, you came in and saved the day. And then you decided to stay. I mean, that's uh, for Sopo New Zealand, we're bloody lucky to have you. I can tell you that. Uh, well, one of the things I've, I've seen many a time, especially on air, mate, you, you seem to be a bloke that is, uh, is so hardworking and forever working. So you might be on, I, I kind of joke and say you're on two phone calls and doing three emails and tweeting five things at once. It just seems that way about you. Have you always had a worth, work ethic like that? Oh, listen, I'm, I'm just keen to learn. Um, and keen to understand how people adapt and evolve through situations. And, and the only way you can do that is to connect with the community that's around you, understand. I and mean, when you come into an organisation that you don't have a background in, you need to listen uh, and get out there and work with them. And, and, and uh, it was a very steep learning curve. I mean, uh, softball's a very storied 
uh, sport that's based on legacy, it's based on family traditions, it's based in the community with kind of alphas and matriarchs that have run the game for decades, right? Um, as a, as I would term myself, a blow-in, um, you need to earn a bit of respect and, and uh, uh, you need to show that to a team that works within the sport as well. I mean, um, we'll talk about this, but, mate, I'm blessed and quite humbled to work in an environment with people that we have inside the organisation and people know the names, right? People know who Chris Gates is or Glenn Roth is, Eugene Gilbert is, right? These people are absolutely incredible, you know? I mean, Glenn and Chris have been there, are in their 17th and 18th year in this organisation. That that IP is incredible, right? And these are, are people that are, 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 you know, they love what they do. I mean, Glenn's been there, done that at the highest level. He's a Black Sox, former Black Sox player. He won a junior World Cup, a world championship in 89 with the likes of Jared Martin and co with his brother Boyd in the team, right? I mean, um, these guys are passionate. I've got so much respect for them and what they do. And, and um, if you can learn from them and, and, and then, you know, add a little bit of value to that, um, it's quite a powerful thing. But, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm just really humble to be in an organisation that is proud for what they do. Listen, we don't get everything right. Absolutely don't get everything right. But the things we can affect change and the things that we can make better for our community and our sport, that's so meaningful. So just blessed, really. Well, Tony, you talk about the guys, um, some of your staff being there for quite a long time. Uh, you mentioned Chris Gates, um, Glenn Roth, uh, Eugene, to name a couple. Um, mate, you've been there for a fair while too. 2013, you, you started. Um, and, uh, you know, it's 2021 now. Mm. It's a long tenure so far. Um, you know, what is it about softball that ticks the bucket for you? Oh, mate, it's, it's simple. It's the people. I've said it uh, to anyone that, that would listen. This community is so unique, right? I mean, every sport can stand there and go, oh, our membership's amazing. Our membership is absolutely incredible. The people within this game uh, are amazing, you know? I mean, uh, to have an opportunity to work at the very top end with the likes of Mark Sorensen and Roman Gabriel, um, all the way down to our volunteers at the club level that have been there for years, you know? It's just absolutely incredible. From the Walton Walkers in Tairawhiti, right, all the way through, um, you know, the new associations up in, in Kaikoui, uh, you know, right down to the wonderful new infrastructures that have been built by the great volunteers and folk in Southland. Um, you know, it's just an absolute privilege. And, um, yeah, it's amazing. And every day, it's just a pleasure to connect with them and hopefully uh, make something a little bit easier for them, a little bit better. Um, and I think we've experienced that, haven't we, all in the last 15 months or so through COVID, right? The opportunity to connect in a new and different way. And that blew me away because I had an opportunity to connect with 125 clubs and 21 associations in a really different way, and that was really rewarding. One of the things I've also noticed about you, Tony, mate, I could get a hold of you on any day and at any time of the day, mate, you're always available. Oh, 100%. I mean, listen, I'm privileged to be a paid administrator, Jason. You know, I mean, we've got 21 associations of which only five have paid staff you know, in the main metro centres. You know, people who have been in this game who do 60, 70 hours a week, they don't get thanks. They don't get a, you know, I mean, I'm humbled and respectful um, for the opportunity that's in front of me and I've got to work for our community. We've got 25,000 affiliated members, right? 0.002% of us get paid to do it, right? We've got yeah. to help our community and work with them and they deserve it and they, and they should expect it. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I'm like I say, I'm I'm privileged to be here in the position that I'm in. The sports connected me with a number of incredible people throughout our network. It's exposed me to the entire sporting system within New Zealand and globally. I'm really fortunate to sit on two WBSC commissions and network internationally uh, to try and better our game. Um, I've had an opportunity to be Vice President of WBSC Oceania um, and work with Chet Gray and Rex Capel and others to try and you know op- to offer opportunities to third world societies in, in, in the Pacific. Um, you know, it's, it's a bigger game than anyone can actually imagine and, and, and it starts you know, in our regional centres. Um, and that's what, I mean, how could you not love what you do? Well put, mate, well put indeed. Um, dude, let's have a look at um, some of the things domestically before we talk about internationally uh, here. Um, the, 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 I guess one of the talking points would be around some of these associations, the change of the age groups when it comes <clears throat> to representative softball, changing to uh, what it was 15 and 18, now changing back this year. The idea of changing those age groups and and and, and changing them again is that it, why and and uh, and what's the kind of reasoning behind that from Sopo New Zealand standpoint? Sure. Um, so first of all, I can appreciate there's a little bit of angst out there around changing and you know change management and transformational change are very different things, but a needed at time you know to 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 make sure that we are positioned in the best way for performance. Softball New Zealand, um, as the guardian of the sport in in this country, has a role to play. Um, And our role is to make sure that our pathways in both genders are succinct and are the best opportunity to grow and develop the talent through that to provide the likes of Roman and Mark, the best athletes at the other end, right? Um, Rightly or wrongly for us, over the last decade, there's been massive change internationally. Right. Not only has ISF and IBF come together to form WBSC, they've changed their age groups three times. Okay, um, They've changed the way World Series are delivered three times in four years. Um, and you know we have to adapt to do the right things for us. Um, three years ago, we changed to the 15s and 18s to marry up to the WBSC age groups. Was that the right thing to do off the bat? My hand's probably up in the air on that one. It probably wasn't the right thing to do off the bat, okay? Um, but we went with it and we had the courage of our convictions to go with it and 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 see how that would play out. Um, we saw that firsthand, how that played out at the 2020 Under-18 World Cup, right? Um, yeah. And some of those results, not entirely, were due to two seasons of change, um, but certainly wasn't indicated that, that, that the age group wasn't quite right. Um, now that WBSC um, have changed the cycle to back to a four-year cycle for age groups, not only have they done that, they've also changed the way you get to that pinnacle event. You need to actually go to three separate events to get to the pinnacle dance, right? So to have a, an age group domestically that's more succinctly and closely aligned to one another is going to be critical to that. Because you can't have the same team that qualifies for the Oceania Confederation event and then the following year go to the World Cup Stage 1 event and then in the third year go to the Pinnacle Dance with the same group of players you used in year one. So we're going to have to have a pathway that has really good association alignment. So that was a major part of the thinking to go back to a 17s and 19s 
delivery. I want to go back to the like state of, of what he took over. <laughs> yeah. I want to know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting, um, mate, right, because yep. we talked about the age groups. Um, getting the alignment right domestically is a challenge for everybody, right, because it's not a one-size-fits-all. Um, you know, I mean, there are many ways to skin a cat, and you could argue that, um, you know, softball in this country could be delivered based on a school term for age group. You know, we could have a term four, term one delivery. Um, you could look at realigning the whole model. And listen, I've I've been on record a number of times. I don't think I mean I don't think our alignment right now is correct. Um, but I'm guided by an association model um, via um, a process. Uh, that we bring them in to make sure that we do the right thing for everybody, not just one voice, right? So, for example, the NFC is our, should be, our pinnacle event, but it's not played at the pinnacle time of the season, and that's a challenge for us. Um, now, we have tweaked that for next year um, to see if we can make it more meaningful. Um, uh, we've tried things like under-23 events pre-Christmas, post-Christmas, trying to get the right match, um, you know, and the seasons um, are being stretched because of the club game. You know, the, it's really important for the associations to have quality delivery at the club game in their in, in their districts. Right, respect that, totally respect that. So, we find ourselves trying to fit in to what's right for everybody. Um, ultimately, the NFC should be at the end of the season. The club should be brought forward. The age group should be realigned. We should be playing stuff pre-Christmas and making the season meaningful. That's why we brought in things like Fastball 45, this unique modified product at the start of the year, mm. right? Your fun, social, modified <coughs> stuff, and then you work through, you know. But you've got club players um, that need to be on form at multiple peaks throughout the season, and that's such a challenge for them, right? Mm. Um, so, yeah, we haven't got it right yet, um, and it will take time to get that right. This is how it's been for a long time, right? And and we just need to, to keep working, keep tweaking and make sure that we bring everybody along on the journey um, to get there. You will know, both of you and the community will know, we've made a change this year uh, to our under-15 model, right? Part of that has been dictated to us by the parent body of sport in this country around balance is better and ensuring athletes under the age of 15 have a fair way to be represented. So not having a sole representative focus, but having a participation focus. That doesn't mean that your elite pinnacle athletes within that age group miss out. Mm. It just means there's a different format for that to be played on, right? So that's been challenged by our membership because the associations want to still represent. Um, I still think there are formats for that, I mean, I know in the Auckland market, Jason, where you are, um, you know, you've got the Brad Ryan Classic at one end of the season, you've got the Easter Classic yeah. at the other end of the season, you've got a really good product already happening. It's what can we do at a, as a, at a national level. Um, so through COVID, we had the ability to push back a little bit and say, well, actually, we'll give it to the three zones to see what they might want to deliver because of COVID, and we couldn't come together and gathering, right? So they went and did a certain delivery, and down south they did it one way and central and north they did it the other way. Now we've got an opportunity to look at it differently and we're going to go to an open balance is better product in the three zones. Ultimately, I would love to see a national level tournament at that, at, with that concept in mind. It'll be a massive event, mm. 
But wouldn't that be a great problem to have to find a solution for? That we actually don't have enough officials or enough grounds to host an event because there's so much participation that wants to go. What a wonderful problem to have, right? And an opportunity to run it over multiple venues and get more people involved and more volunteers involved. Incredible, right? But we're not quite, we don't have the maturity yet to get there. There's a number of people that want to, and I I think this is where we as an organisation need to show real leadership and be strong, and I just don't think we have enough people on that journey to give that delivery yet, but but it's a desire for us to get in that space. So yeah, there's some work to do um, uh, in the delivery model, Um, but certainly under the pathway, the pathways we've set up for, you know, the national pathway, um, that's exciting, you know. the new battery programs are exciting. We've been going with the female battery program now for a year. We're about to deliver a male battery program, something that we've needed for a long time, right? And it's just taken a bit of resource and a bit of, you know, kind of grit to get there. Um, and COVID gave us the opportunity to take a breath and get those things right. And now here we are about to deliver. Um, tomorrow morning there's an advertisement out there on Sport New Zealand for a high-performance director for our sport. You know, we've oh, just wow. we've we've got a new employee on the east coast in Tairawhiti, delivering a high deprivation cohort to a community that ordinarily wouldn't have the opportunity to engage in not just softball but organised or structured sport. Mm. So we're delivering that as well. So, you know, there's some really cool things we're doing. Are we doing enough? No, we're not doing enough. And I acknowledge that, right? And we're not going to get everything right, but. It's a journey, and we've got to bring everybody on that journey with us. And, um, you know, it'll take a bit of time to get it all succinct, but um, one day at a time, and, and and certainly the message is positive, and that's the key thing right now. Yeah, real real positive, Tony. That, that's bloody awesome, man. I could listen to you for hours, to be honest with you. The thing that really sticks in my mind, though, is Softball New Zealand is not afraid to make changes. You know, some organisations would be like, no, this is the way we've always done it. We don't need a change. You know, we already have a world champion Black Sox team. Why do we have to make changes at the bottom? Where well, you guys have looked at it, you keep <clears throat> on looking at the structure and how it should be done. Sure, it might rustle some feathers on the way through, but it's done with consultation, it's done with the best interests. Uh, and as you just said, it's done with a positive mindset, which is, I think, the big difference. Yeah, on the main, it is. Um, there, are some, there are some decisions that we don't have a full and frank consultation, but but certainly um, uh, that's our desire, is that we bring everybody on a journey and we make sure that there is buy-in because we don't get the buy-in from our community that deliver the game. I don't deliver – when we, we don't deliver the grassroots game. The associations need to understand that journey, buy into that journey and deliver the club game. Mm-hmm. And um, by and large, um, we've got an incredible network of – association people I mean crikey if you look across our network and you know what we're doing I mean Auckland have been transformational in the last 18 months right um, you know they've been to some pretty dark places in the last couple of years but in the last 12 months man have they got mature mm-hmm. man have they really got things going on and been so proactive and the leadership is incredible both uh, uh, at executive governance level and also operational fantastic you know um uh, one might even argue it's too far one way, but it's amazing mm. to see you know the passion that's been delivered. Right, um, uh, the other end of the country in in Canterbury, what Cheryl Kemp does down there with her junior program and the the quality and quantity of people she brings through that system, it's amazing, mm. like literally amazing. Somebody who's been in the game 
you know, entrenched in the games through when she first played for the White Sox, now in the role leading the organisation for the last 20 plus years. I mean, she's absolute iconic um, and been a great mentor for me. Um, uh, both her and Dana have been amazing um, in the game, you know. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, we just spoke about two strong associations that have paid employees and staff and scale, right? On the other side, we've also got some stories that are not so great, okay? Um, and we talk about COVID. Um, let's talk about some real, you know, some reality here. County's Manukau, okay, and Chris Boyce and I, there's no secrets here, right? County's Manukau doing it tough, doing it real tough, mate. You know, I mean, this is a community that through COVID was affected probably more than most, okay? South Auckland, um, you know, a demographic that has kind of whanau communities in there that might only have one income, that was a blue-collar worker that was really affected by COVID with job losses, right? That has a community that's really affected, um, you know, with the fear of return because they had real-life instances of what COVID did to that community, right? Um, so year on year, Softball New Zealand's down 6%. On membership, okay, four point six percent in actual terms, because eighty percent of those numbers are from one association, Canis Manukau. Okay, Whoa. yes, an entire club migrated north. Yep, understand that, but another three hundred and fifty people haven't returned to our game from that community because of certain issues. But COVID's a big part of it. So we've had multiple discussions over the last eight weeks with Chris and his leadership, and my God, we talk about incredible people in our game. He's, I bow to that man, right? He, This is a guy who's who runs our game, who's involved in our game, who cares about his community, right? Works for Oranga Tamariki's full-time role, and he works in an organisation that deals with gang-related whānau crises, right? And as a volunteer, he works at softball, right? And he's reached out and said, mate, I need a bit of help. You know, this is a proud guy. And so we've got him behind him and, and fantastic big brother up the road, ASA, have come in and partnered with them and are going to do something really unique, you know. And what Gareth and his board are doing is sensational to support that community now. Um, listen, in the past that hasn't been the way, you know. But again, we talked about the maturity and the leadership being shown in our community. ASA are doing some wonderful things in that space. So, yeah, I mean, um, we've got some incredible people. We've got some challenges. You know, we've got softball not being played in Central North Island or on the west coast of the North Island or some problematic issues in the top of the South Island. So we're dealing with those, you know, on on case-by-case basis. I was in... I was in Vegas during during the end of last week, trying to work with rugby league up there to see what we can do with our partner community, mm. to see if we can bring softball back to the bay. You know, um, we're working with Nelson in a week's time to see what we can do and help Nelson out, who didn't deliver softball post Christmas. Um, you know, but there has to be some reality. These are volunteers. We've got to show some leadership here and do our bit, um, and we have some restrictions. Our resourcing is not great, as I mentioned before, with a five FTE. You know, so it's about thinking different, being transformational. How do we partner with either a senior association to support them, or 
do we actually think about an MOU with an already existing sport in that community that could help? The rugby league and rugby Rotorua. league and Rotorua. We're talking with hockey and Nelson. Um, you know that play different seasons on the same shared facility, and in the Nelson case, they've got FTE down there. You know, so um, you know we're at infancy stages, but that's also scalable at a national level, guys. You know, I mean, let's talk about the monkey right? or the elephant in the room in this case because she is quite big. Um, it's no secret to you, Chopper, that for the last two and a bit years, I've been working on a on a framework that involves baseball and softball coming together in this country. Um, and again, I'm not speaking outside of the realm here, but two weeks ago, we had our very first joint softball and baseball board meeting. You know, so for the first time, we have all the players in the same room at executive level. Now, we're not looking to change the world. We're not looking to amalgamate the sports at a community level. We're talking about an opera, you know, an executive model that would help provide decisions and strategy in this country that will help both entities. You know? And we have to have a leadership role in this. So in fairness, you know, our board, the supplements and board's been incredible in this space. Um, and under Linda O'Kane's leadership, amazing. Um, and uh, the new people she has brought along in you know, on the executive in the last two years, incredible. Um, and that maturity is showing right at the elite level where we're having discussions with the baseball chair. I'm meeting with John Follett constantly. We're having really open, transparent discussions around what we can do. Baseball have an opportunity as well. Okay, Forget the two Atara. That's their shop window. But forget them because that's not Baseball New Zealand. Mm. Baseball New Zealand have 1,300 affiliated members Okay, that we know have around a 30% softball Makeup who plays softball on Saturday and baseball on Sunday. But we need to be mature enough to come together because it's not actually about the operational delivery, it's about the executive delivery. Like on the world stage, like in nearly every other country in the world, there's a softball division, a baseball division, but there's a joint executive at some level that allows them to have really strategic discussions. And that might be around infrastructure. It might be around resource and funding. It might be around opening up opportunities for either code to do things differently. It might be just about Memorial Park and a, you know, a new diamond. But you know, there are things we can do if we're just a little bit more smart, and you know, don't don't be afraid to have a different discussion. And I know hearing this in our community will be oh, for some, right? But we're not trying to change the world. We're just trying to have a different discussion with local, regional, and central government around doing things a bit smarter. Mm. Because if we continue to do what we do, right, um, we could be having very different conversations in three or five years' time because Sport New Zealand may not fund us. Mm. That's not a threat for Tony, them, by the way, but, yeah. Yeah, Tony, you, you talk about um, working together with baseball in New Zealand, and, and, of course, you've been in the role now with Softball New Zealand from the time that the uh, two international bodies have joined under the umbrella, as you alluded to earlier on in this podcast, now under the umbrella of the WBSC. And in your mind, do you think that has worked? Well, it's an interesting one for me because, um, you know, when I first joined, ISF had already agreed to merge with IBF, so I, I don't know the ISF world as it was, right? 213 right. was the last ever ISF World Series. 
right? So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's interesting for me to say. What I know is that there is a desire, right, for WBSC to do better and not be seen as just a baseball offer, right? I mean, you guys both intimately know, particularly you, Chopper, how good yeah. softball is on the world stage. Um, and if we mm. just talk about the men for a second, because the female opportunity is what I really want to talk about, mm. okay? Yeah. But the men's game, in, in 219, right, WBSC finally woke up and went, oh my, the best product we have in our stable is men's fast pitch. Because mm. any one of eight teams could have podiumed. Mm. We had two brand new finalists. The traditional foes were put to the side while Argentina and Japan fought it out in a 10 inning game, right? Because they've changed the way they play and they've learned and adapt from what we've done and what we've provided in the last six or seven years by having so many events in New Zealand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we've created that. But WBSC went wow because Prague was amazing. Mm. You know, you had, it was just made for media, made for what Chopper and his group did. You know, and as we look forward now to an event that we are hosting at the end of next year, the opportunity is as great because some yeah. of the traditional foes are now even hungrier. And I know we are. I know what Mark's doing is incredible. And what Cole mm. wants to do is amazing, right, and bring that, mm. that group along. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're going to have those old foes, the traditional foes of Canada and Australia and New Zealand, at the bit chomping to have a go. Um, and oh, to do it on home So yeah, absolutely. So, so WBSC are waking up and realizing that men's fast pitch is the opportunity for them to market, to promote, to have broadcast opportunities that they didn't have before. Because let's face it, in the women's game currently, currently, if we're completely honest, there's only two teams that are going to win the Olympic Games, mm. right? And men's baseball is only one of four, probably. You know, women's baseball is one of their biggest pushes, but if they actually looked at it. The softball division has so much meaningful an opportunity for them, and there's just a few in there that are starting to wake up. Mm. So, listen, I'm not afraid to say that publicly, and I'll say it at Congress as well, and I do. It does put you on the outer a little bit, but um, you know, um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and just on that, Jason, if you don't mind, um, I'm, I'm just going to pay my respects to two gentlemen that I've worked with really closely in the last five years. Andre Van Overbeek, um, an incredible gentleman um, who was uh, president of the European softball division and um, the vice president of WBSC uh, Europe um, and the president of Netherlands passed away last month. Um, what an incredible guy. He, he actually brought me on to my first commission. He was the chair of the oh. tournament commission that he brought me on, invited me into in 2017. And then just two weeks ago, um, a lovely, larger-than-life character, um, Antonio Morales from Colombia, um, who's a Hall of Famer um, and was on the uh, softball division executive. Uh, he passed away and, and um, just had great moments with those gentlemen over the last five or six years on WBSC. And, yeah, they'll be a, a, a big loss for the game at a governance level. Yeah, well said, Tony, for sure. Two, two, two outstanding gentlemen and uh, an amazing career that they, they had and also obviously an administrative role and especially an international role. Mm. They will be uh, they will be deeply missed. But you, you talk about being on a couple of commissions for the WBSC. What are they? What's your role? Yeah, so I'm a commission member for both the tournament commission and the men's fast pitch commission. Okay, um, uh, the, the tournament commission is about competition structure 
um, you know, procedures, uh, how we run the events, where they're run. Um, we, we don't get to appoint anything, but we provide recommendations around um, yep. what the tournament structure should look like. Um, recommendations not always followed, but we certainly do provide the opportunity um, for WBC to consider. Um, the Men's Fast Pitch Commission is actually a really unique and innovative commission that's looking at, as we just mentioned, the opportunity that's in front of WBC. So um, one of the opportunities is we're actually looking into the feasibility of a fast pitch world league, which is a club-based tournament. Ooh, that sounds <laughs> exciting. Ooh. Yeah, it is. And you know, literally there would be a um, national federation champion that would then play off in a confederation group and the confederation champion would then go to a world league final um, and once you get there, all the ground costs are covered. You play for a, a world title every year to be the world club champion. So that's something that's not widely out there, obviously is now. Um, but um, yeah, the commission's working on on adaptive and innovative products like that on the men's side to keep the men's game relevant. Um, you know, with returning to a four year cycle, um, that'll be challenging for a lot of federations, yeah. including yeah. us. Mm because we're dependent on results, we're dependent on funding, we're depending on our system here in New Zealand around performance uh, to get any revenue to support world championships on the men's side. So the way that works in New Zealand, if you fall off podium, you lose significant funding, which we are now facing with the Prague result, right? So uh, with the extension of the World Cup by a year and a half, um, yeah, that, that's really hurt us not finishing on podium. So um, on the female side, um, the, op- the opportunity is that under the new leadership of Sport New Zealand and high-performance Sport New Zealand in this country, with Raylene Castle and now Steve Chu at HP, they're now working towards an aspirational fund, and that means potential podium performances. So even though the White Sox are currently 16th-ranked team in the world, they're one of only three teams that are non-funded, right, in that ranking list. So um, we have an opportunity now to to go to HP and say, well, actually, under Roman Gabriel, we've put a mantra in place that's a six-year plan through to 2026 to change the culture and performances domestically with no resource to be better and put ourselves in the best possible position to qualify for LA, right? Um within that time frame, which starts in 26. So that's aspirational, mm. right? If we can increase our performances to get inside top 10, that's aspirational. Now, if we can prove that with actual necessary and reasonable results and improvements in performance, we can actually get funding support for the White Sox program, and that nice. would be amazing. Mate, we're talking about funding, and, and obviously we know you come from a funding background, but it, it's almost sometimes every month I see a new photo of you shaking hands, whether it be a funding uh, organisation or a sponsor and sealing the deal, and we're going to talk about TV in a bit, but uh, mate, mate, what is it about Tony Giles that can seal the deal with these sponsors all the time? Oh, mate, it's not just me, but, I mean, the this, this sport sells itself, right? I mean, my job is just to sell the story, Jason. Um, you know, I'm I'm really, really proud that just this week we re-signed Temper Zone, you know? Um, there you go, Damien, I another mean, one. I mean, after the performance in Palmerston and then through COVID, um, they chose to, to exit, right? 
Um, but we stayed in touch and we provided goodwill and, you know, I mean, it's, it's what we do. So um, it's yeah. taken a little bit of time, but um, Les Kendall and the wonderful support from the Temper Zone family have come back on to support the junior program, junior oh. boys program, um, and uh, that's incredible. So, um, yeah, just fantastic. I mean, he's been with us for three previous campaigns, right? And here he is now backing us again. So, um, yeah, hats off to Les Kendall and the folk at Temper Zone in Mangaree. Um, just incredible. They've got 400 employees out there um, and just wonderful organisation that supports in a philanthropic way the sport of softball, right? Awesome. Just amazing. So good. But, yeah, we talked about, you know, the male opportunities. This is going to be super controversial, cool. okay, what I'm going to say, but I've said it internally and I've spoken about it to my board is that whether – those that may choose to listen or not agree the future of our game is going to be female-led. Amen. Okay? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm not just saying that that's the right thing to say. It is the thing to say, right? The future of the game is going to be female-led. The male game will continue to perform at the highest echelon, right, which is a world championship, right? But that's their ceiling, mm. okay? And, yeah. and, and we're kind of at that ceiling, so we either win it or we don't. And we saw what don't means when we were in Prague, right? Now we know what they're doing to get back to that position and we back Mark and his group 100%. And I believe special things are going to happen next year. I really do. I just, like, I can see the hunger. It's amazing what's happening. Yeah. Um, but the future, like I'm not talking tomorrow or next year, but, you know, the future of the game, there's not many sports, right, in this country that offer the pathway for a young female athlete that we do. You know, the community game, the representative, you know, provincial game, the national game, right? The collegiate opportunity in either North America or Asia, the professional opportunity in either North America or Asia, a World Cup, and then add on that an Olympic opportunity. My goodness. I mean, if I was a young, talented female athlete playing sport, you know, and we hope they play many sports, and one of them is softball, that they'll actually see the opportunity that's in front of them. And it might only be education they want to get to, and new softball is a catalyst to get education, like many of our girls are doing. But why not follow the footsteps of the greats like Lara Andrews, you know, or the kids that are over there like right now, like the Lewins, you know, who are doing spectacular things through their love of softball, right? And I just believe that. You know, we've just, I mean, one of the, my biggest regrets in this game in my seven years is that it took me until last year to sign a sponsorship deal for the female game. And that kills me. Because these girls, and you look at the names in our game, right, and even in my time, right, we've got incredible athletes in the female game. And we talk about, you know, in the current realm, you've got, you know, the likes in the last two or three years, um, you know, Lara Andrews, Mel Giddings, Kyla Bromhead, right? These players have played for a decade or more for their country and paid over ten or fifteen thousand a year like dollars a year out of their own pocket to fulfil that dream. Mm -hmm. And that's a travesty. And for us to only get the first fiscal sponsor through Sky Sport last year, you know, I'm not doing my job there. You know, so that's a work on for us and to see what we can do. And we're proud we've brought on Plast Oil. 
um, which is, or Plastol, sorry, um, the new sponsor for the female battery program that was brought on last year during COVID. And we've now got a fully sponsored battery program for the identified talent in that. But growing on what Sky Sport do for the female game, and that's a philanthropic fiscal donation. It's not a broadcast sponsorship. Oh, wow. No, I'm, I'm working on that. And actually, fingers crossed by Friday when this potentially goes out, um, we might have some news on that. But, um, you know, and that's why things like the quad series are so important. You know, and the adapt, the ability to adapt that and bring in an import team or, or, or you know a selection from within New Zealand that's outside of the program to make it more competitive is so important. Um, yeah, so uh, listen, the commercial stuff is great to get the successes, but it's also a negative when we can't get it across the line for all. You know, so, but yeah. Uh, Tony, yeah, I completely agree, man. The female program is uh, such an outstanding program and with a lot of advantages going forward. But boy, oh boy, mate, you, you have a good problem here, right? You've got uh, one of the best uh, male program problem to have. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, um, you know, the Black Sox is synonymous with success in this country, right? And it's a privilege to work alongside people like Mark Sorensen and, and you know, the former captain, Nathan Nukunuku, who's just an icon, not just him, but his whole bloody family, right? It's incredible. Um, you know, um, had the pleasure of working alongside you know Katrina when she was captain of the White Sox as well and um, you know obviously mum the whole family are just amazing and now that baton's been passed over to one of the world's most exciting young talents and Cole um, you know so that's exciting to see how he develops now but I just know what Mark is doing is so special and and the people he's got around him and the drive that he's got to 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 perform at home is is really exciting for him and I wish him all the best and we'll do our absolute utmost to make sure that he has everything he needs to be in the best position to perform and then it's down to what he does and he's the world's best right so um, incredible to watch him work um, the female side I mean listen when I came in it was really interesting for me that the Black Sox hadn't played on home soil since kind of 2008-9 other than the 2013 World Chance which is an international world event not a New Zealand based you know kind of world event um, so the ability to bring um, games back to New Zealand to our engaged audience but provide an opportunity for new fans to come into our game was one that I saw as needed to happen, right? So um, we started with um, an Oceania qualifier, then we had an international tri-series and then we developed the TAB Challenge Cup, which was amazing. Um, and we had, you know, Japan and Argentina and Australia and Czech Republic and it was awesome. Just fantastic. And we did that, I mean, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, we had an international event every single one of those years at home. The opportunity for that was to provide international quality competition on our shores that A, made it cheaper, provided a market opportunity to see more players, breadth and depth of talent at home. But what it also did, <laughs> and this is probably a failure of mine, was that it allowed those teams to come in and witness in our environment exactly what we do. Yeah. And all the scouting and tell an ID of what was going on, they went away and used that IP better than us. Mm. You know, we got a little bit complacent and the game changed and evolved because of what we were doing. One of only two countries in the world that were putting on international tournaments, mm. ourselves and Czech Republic, right, outside of the ISCs. Um, if you look at the female side, the female White Sox hadn't played since 2009 Southern Cross Championship in Christchurch, you know. So 
we needed to do a few things there and um, you know was a real privilege um, to work with Kevin Giddens at the time and um, you know uh, to bring Michael White over in the Oregon side. That was quite amazing, yeah. um, you know. And then to get involved with the APC and the fully loaded product as well, um, the Australia Pacific Cup, um, you know. And actually, when they went to the APC event last year in January, that was the first time ever the female talent didn't have to pay a levy. And again, that hurts me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, we just got to be smarter and do things better, and that's why the quad series and last year's tri series is really important. How do we provide an opportunity to play international quality ball on home soil because we don't have the resources or the ability right now to travel? Yeah. This year, the quad series is going to include that fourth team to provide a better quality of competition. And also a bit of news for you both that I'll break t- here tonight is that I'm obviously in cahoots quite well with my counterpart in Australia, David Pryles, <coughs> um, and Chet Gray, um, their events director uh, and performance director. Um, and we are nanoseconds away from signing an MOU to have their World Championship under-18 team be here for that event as well. Wow. So that effectively is their under-19 team, which will play... Kitty Shaw's effective under-19 team, um, they'll be involved together at that event. So, um, you know, just opportunities for us to see how we can provide a better quality of competition for our teams because post-Tokyo, Australia are going to need us more than ever, right? If Australia podium, and congratulations to Australia, they they were the first sporting team to arrive into into Japan during the week. Amazing. Um, And we wish them all the best, right? Um, so if they podium, fantastic, mm. right? If they don't, they're going to be in the same position that we're in, right? Having to reinvest in a six-year plan to what the next Olympics will look like. So we're going to need each other. So we're in a um, discussions where we can have multiple touch points a year. So like a Q, a quarter one, quarter four yep. relationship, where we might go to Australia in the first three months, they might come here in the last three months, and we have that bilateral arrangement across all of our pathway except for elite, we'll just look at how that works. Um, and we're going to look at starting that with the under-19 program. Now, there is a caveat there, and that caveat, and that caveat currently is COVID, mm. right? That old chestnut. <laughs> as long as the bubble remains intact, mm. there's an opportunity for us. The mandate from Softball New Zealand is that we will not travel anywhere in 2021. Right. Okay, The risk is too great for us with our youngsters not vaccinated and not having the ability to be vaccinated until later this year, if not next year, right? So we won't travel at all in 2021 with any team. Um, Australia are okay to travel as long as they are vaccinated. So time dependent for their young athletes, but if they can be, then we're looking to have them here in October for Labor Weekend in Palmerston North. So I can probably hear Kitty Shaw right now screaming in the background, but uh, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant news, and, and that is fantastic for the female program, Tony, um, to, to have Australia buying in like that and to getting those young ladies. Of course, they would have been scheduled to go to the World Cup in mm. uh, uh, in Peru, Lima, Peru, mm. uh, later on um, this year. And, and of course, uh, you know, that event's still on at this point. Who knows whether it will go ahead. Mm. Uh, this year, very difficult year to travel to play internationally, but uh, the bubble works. And uh, we love our Australian uh, friends over there, so it'd be great to have them over this side of the ditch. Absolutely. 
Um, you know, and there's some things happening in the men's space too, which I won't go into tonight. But um, uh, yeah, um, 2022 looks quite exciting um, for our teams getting back on the plane again and playing international ball. So uh, uh, from the Black Sox right down. So um, you know, obviously next year we've got two World Cup scheduled, uh, 23 men. Yep. Um, and obviously the Black Sox here at home, so exciting year for them, but also um, the first team to travel may indeed be the White Sox who go to the Australian Pacific Cup uh, into January. So um, again, that's dependent on results in Tokyo because um, the women need funding for that event to happen. But um, yeah, so it's an exciting time, but we're kind of in a holding pattern right now. But um, you know, international touring, international events uh, for both our genders are a critical part of our pathway development you know we can only create so much at home and this is a truism going back to the what the original 1966 team that went away to Mexico for the men but of course they were trumped by the woman uh, who went to a international event in Australia in 1962 uh, the White Sox actually travelled and toured before the men, so uh, um, yeah, a little antidote there. But um, and just on that point, actually, the whole time. <laughs> they, they have been, um, and you know, and again, um, the Halbergs earlier this year, we paid homage to two of those young, or not so young now, but athletes that were in that first original tour, and um, and and Rangi Muller and Annie Lynham, who both passed away last year, who were in that original touring team. So um, yeah, exciting uh, times for game ahead as we all transition out of this pandemic, right? Tony, just before you go away from the WBSC stuff, and of course you being in the Tournament Commission, maybe that helps a little to answer some of these questions. Uh, with, with some of the other age groups coming on board now as World Cups, the U15 women, they're supposed to have a qualifier next year in 22, mm. uh, and of course the U18 men to have a qualifier, you already mentioned uh, U23 uh, World Cup in Argentina. The, it, it looks like now that World Cup, whether it be qualifier or World Cup, but the campaign each calendar year looks quite full for a lot of your age groups now. How does Softball New Zealand go about, um, one, putting the teams out on the diamond and two, getting them, getting them abroad? Yeah, so, I mean, it'll be a challenge for the youth teams, right? Because, like I said earlier, they probably won't be able to transition the whole way through with one select team. I need multiple yeah. or a wider group um, with differing age groups. So hence why the under-15s and 17s will have to have a really clear alignment and the 19s as well as they transition through um, because they're going to be using athletes within different pathways currently to fulfil the need of that World Cup delivery. Um, in the initial stages, um, it might be a case where the New Zealand age group teams see the World Cup Stage 1 as their pinnacle event. Right, because they may not transition yep. straight to the world yep. final. Right, um, so they'll need to pick their best team year on year. Hence, why some athletes might not ever get to a World Cup, which is a challenge and disappointment for them. But that's what we're dealt with, and we need to work with it. Um, but yeah, and interesting times. Um, you know, um, we're all hands on deck now for the World Cup next year. Um, November 26th to December 4th, Rosedale Park. Uh, yep. It's going to be exciting, right? Mm -hmm. um, on, only the fourth time in New Zealand. Um, what happened with the three previous times? I don't want to jinx it, Tony. <laughs> but there's seven World Championship. Uh, world Championship. Yeah, I don't want to jinx it either. But, you know, um, the fourth time in 45 years that we've uh, hosted an event. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited by that. Um, we've got an incredible um, local organising committee Bob Leveloff, Faye Freeman doing tremendous job in leading that organisation to deliver the World Cup. Um, and we're just excited by that. Just a big thanks as well to 
Auckland Unlimited um, and to um, MB through New Zealand Major Events for supporting us. Um, we are obviously uh, looking to host a nine-day Pinnacle Event Spectacular in Auckland just prior to Christmas, um, live broadcast on Linear TV, um, you know, 35-plus uh, games broadcast domestically live um, and 50-plus games delivered around the world for free. Um, so, you know, open to have any conversations with our commercial partners and uh, <laughs> new or existing. <laughs> um, but no, it's an exciting time and, um, you know, uh, we're actually looking to launch that um, on the first week of Fastball. Uh, in November, so a year out from the event, we're looking to really ramp up and start promoting the heck out of it. So that's exciting. Um, but to answer your question, Jason, there is actually opportunities as well, um, if we're brave enough in the years ahead, to host other events. You know, we were brave last year when we yeah. hosted an event in Palmerston North. You were both at it, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. We cemented that event a year out. We only got funding for that event six months out. We turned the first sod wow. on the delivery of that event 94 days out from the first pitch. And we left a almost $1 million legacy at Calhoun Park, an association that is as proud as punch um, and, a, and a community that is so engaged in the game right now um, that MSA were awarded Association of the Year last year. Um, I mean, one of their board members and volunteers was awarded Softballer of the Year. Um, you know, AJ Young, just incredible people and incredible association. And why can't we do that somewhere else? Sometimes you need a pinnacle event to actually create yeah. the momentum. Mm. Um, and there's, we've got venues around this country, you know. I mean, I know Cheryl Kent would love an event. Mm. Like, she'd love to. But we've got to find the right event. We've got facilities, you know, Saxton Park and Nelson, what an incredible facility, right? We've just got to put some support on the ground first. Um, yep but also an opportunity to do other things in other places, you know. But we need to walk before we can run. Yeah. Um, and uh, But there are and will be opportunities for events. The broadcast stuff is exciting, you know. I mean, we've had more TV and air coverage than ever. Um, every event we do, we get a new partner. Um, and the work that you both do for our game and supporting and the broadcasting through ballpark broadcasting is incredible. Um, so yeah, it's exciting for us, um, and it's uh, it's the new age, but it's also an expectation from our audience, <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, it's kind of a double-edged sword in some ways, but um, yeah, no, I mean, this is the new era, and uh, we're excited about what is coming up. Well, it's just more opportunity for, for potential sponsors to come on board, and you so rightly put, you've got the World Cup coming up next year, uh, and the Men's World Cup there in Rosedale Park, at the end of the year and and for a sponsor i mean the opportunity to sponsor a world cup they don't come around every day so it's a unique opportunity and uh mate if anyone can do it i know you can for sure i look forward to seeing plenty more of those handshake photographs uh with plenty more sponsors as we march forward to that world cup mm. i'll just say i mean that the, there is a team approach here i mean the the, the game is an incredible product right We've take, just got to be the compliment, man. We, we've just got to be better at selling it. <laughs> yes. That's where I got to come in, and yeah. and to be fair, um, just to put it out there, be fully transparent. We've actually signed up with a third party contractor yeah. to help us do this, and this will be a name that most people will know, right? One of the most incredible athletes New Zealand's ever produced, one of the most incredible sportsmen people have ever pr produced, and now one of the most gifted um, uh, fundraisers. Uh, of community sport 
um, in the country. So um, Rob Waddell, uh, you know, 2000 Sydney Olympian gold medalist, um, America's Cup winner, chef de Michonne to the Olympic Games. Played a couple um, of games for Waikato. Played a couple of games for <laughs> So, you know, what he hasn't done in this in this world, you know, is not worth talking about really from a sporting point of view. Um, beautiful family and he's kind of partnered us for a, a wee while now and um, we've signed him up to help with the World awesome. Cup delivery. Um, so he's working directly with the LOC, not, not with Sopo New Zealand per se, but um, yeah, him and his team do an amazing job supporting us, so um, certainly a team effort on that front. Fantastic, great to see, and great to have another great man, a great Kiwi involved. Mate, I, I want to touch on something you mentioned a little bit earlier uh, as we talked about events in New Zealand, and that is the new baby on the uh, event list uh, these days, the exciting new event, Fastball 45, mate. How are you enjoying that model of the game? How good, right? How good, How good is Fastball How 45? Good. I mean, a world-leading product uh, designed by and for um, softball is done by Mr. Glenn Roth, who I mentioned earlier. I mean, yeah. so proud of what Glenn's achieved in this space. Um, we've stood back and let him just innovate. Um, and, you know, with, he's not afraid to mix things up and change and tweak and do a few things to make the product even better. Um, so, yeah, Fastball 45 has just been incredible, right? I mean, it's just uh, been an opportunity for people to engage both players, officials and spectators in the game differently. Um, and it does, it's strategic and it's fun and it's aggressive and it's athletic and it's all transferable into fast pitch, right? Mm. Um, and from a coaching point of view, if you hear the likes of Nathan or or even Roman and other kind of coaches talk about it, they've got to keep up. They've got to be innovative all the time, almost, yeah. almost play to play. Mm. Um, and it's the strategic guys like Nathan who is hands down mm. for me domestically the best strategic thinker in our game, domestically at a club level, like the guy's incredible, right? What he what he produces out of his players and athletes is amazing. And just he just thinks and talking to him is a whole different realm. But um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he's like what he's done in the game and now what he's putting back, it's just spectacular, right? So, um, but yeah, Fastball 45 is amazing, uh, a new way to engage, a new way to play and uh, it's back again this year. So um, we're looking to tweak it a nice. little bit. So yep. last year, you remember, we had uh, three separate time slots over three days. So mm. Friday night, Saturday yep. night, Sunday, just one back-to-back game. We've changed it to make the model more sustainable post-COVID, right? So we're now doing double back-to-back games on Saturday and Sunday. Right, so we'll do a back-to-back female game followed by a back-to-back male game. Uh, so four hours of continuous play on Saturday followed by four hours of continuous play on Sunday. Um, just across both days, it gives opportunity for the associations to play their club games on a Friday night. So it doesn't impact the Saturday play. Yep. Um, but yeah, so we start in Christchurch in November. Um, uh, we then move up the country and we go to, so that's the, I think the 20th and 21st, 22nd, um, 27th, 28th and Palmerston North. Ooh. For the central region, okay. and then we go to Rosedale for the We Are Northern, and then we stay at Rosedale for the final series. So, um, yeah, an incredible opportunity to um, play the fast, exciting, world-leading opportunity that is Fastball Forty Five. And just on that, I just want to give another kudos here to Glenn. Um, not only has he developed and innovated this product and tweaked it and owned the space and fronted it from a media point of view and done all the all the good things. We've, we've also trademarked it. Awesome. So it's now trademarked by Softball New Zealand. Um, and Glenn, sold, he's sold the value and the vision 
to Canada, Softball Canada, who are now delivering Fastball 45 at their secondary school championship level on the ground this season right now. Wow. So what Glenn's doing in that space is just amazing and it's now going international. Um, So listen, I... I can see innovations here and opportunities for us to play Trans-Tasman. I mean, they do the fully loaded product, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. They're looking to bring in a men's game. They're going to do that during COVID, but they didn't play last year. We were fortunate enough to play the back end of COVID. So we're looking at opportunities where, you know, their female champion, their male champion come across and, you know, get involved in our final series or something. So, um, yeah, I, I just think there are ways for us to promote. The broadcasters love it. The people that are watching it love it. The athletes and participants really enjoy it. We've just got to make it a fun and exciting way and continue evolving. Mm-hmm. We called the pilot, didn't we, Chop? You and I? The we very, very first big, one? Yeah, a couple of years back now. Yeah, there was one camera and a, uh, a couple of things. I think uh, a wireless, uh, whatever it was, audio set up to get that uh, for, for Sky to to, uh, to to have a look at it. Um, but obviously, Tony, you, you guys work with with uh, with Glenn, Roth and uh, and Sky TV, mm. Dean Pooley back in the beginning of those days, right. I mean, instrumental and, and creating a product that's exciting. Now, obviously, I've seen it from the top level of um, what it looks like on TV, how the elite athletes enjoy the game. It's so exciting. And to be fair, uh, it, it's almost become one of the, if not the highlight of their season, to be fair, it's got that that big but even tonight i was down coaching my son's intermediate team so these are 11 year olds and a fastball five a 45 competition and yeah. so there was a bunch of new kids there's some softballers on there for sure but a bunch of new kids that never played softball before and at the end of it, it was only three innings long 45 minutes as you know uh i couldn't have think of a better way to introduce kids to our sport it was quick. It was active. They were all involved. We changed the picture each innings, so it wasn't dominated by one person or anything like that. And it was all about. And and the kids said, "What was the score?" I said, "Who cares about the score? Do you have fun?" Yep. Well, then that's all that matters. Yeah, we started off the conversation tonight talking about balance is better, and there it is, right? But that's another yeah. great initiative that North Harbour softball are doing. You know, like David Glanders is doing some good work up there in this space. Um, and you know, as a parent, kind of watching that chop, I mean. You know, families now are, you know, it's really complex around making sure or, you know, how do we support our kids and what they want to do. Everyone's time poor, working longer hours, travelling further to get Mm -hmm. to and from work. 45 minutes, right? And it's fun. And you just mentioned that the kids didn't care about the school. It was that good. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's, I'm that's, that's solely, solely it. Yeah, and, and it's introducing new kids to the sport as well, which I, you know, for me is the big win-win, right? And uh, well, yeah. um, it's it, interesting. It, it, it's, it, yeah, yeah, because you were talking earlier on about the Hutt Valley Sports Awards, and it was great to see you both there and doing such a good job. And of course, uh, Damien, Damien did a good job with, uh, yeah, with Hawani Lambert, our board member. But I had an opportunity mm. to network with um, Sophie Maloney, uh, the CEO of Sky Sport, there, and we we spoke yeah. about fastball. Uh, and we spoke about the quad series and, and just wanted to thank her uh, for the work that Sky do in supporting our female game and, and obviously through the mm-hmm. Sky Sport Collective as well, the sports collective yep. that supports yep. community delivery. Um, so, yeah, we, hence I referenced earlier we're having discussions this week around the Sky's contract and, um, yeah, so it's exciting and having people like that. I mean, this is a four – this was a made product for television for a new audience, yeah. right? And, oh, yeah. And we, we were – taken aback by how much the existing softball audience loved mm. it. 
you know. Um, yeah, so it's just been fantastic. Awesome. Congratulations to uh, Software New Zealand and Glenn Roth and the rest of the crew for uh, getting that underway. Okay, Tony, I know not long to go here, mate. I just wanted to touch on a couple of other things. I don't know whether I'm going to open up a can of worms here or not. Uh, but with you being on the tournament commission for the WBSC, is there any announcements on any like places the next World Cup's going to be, apart from Auckland, of course? <laughs> um, I couldn't possibly comment, Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> not because I know, but because there's been no other announcements yet. Um, yeah. You know, with, with COVID, um, you know, the sole... Um, focus for WBC is is literally the Olympic Games, um, and with all the qualifiers yeah. happening now, right? They're not literally thinking yeah. beyond Olympics. Um, listen, I, I I don't think for a second the under eighteen girls should be going ahead uh, in Lima, Peru. I just think health concerns need to be paramount, and I just don't think putting minors at risk because there's a government handshake somewhere should be the thing to do. Um, but yeah, as for next year, um, it's. Probably a little concerning that, you know, the pinnacle of the WBSE game is the Women's Softball World Cup. And yep. next, next year, there's no World Cup, but there's the World Games. Yes. Right? So the World Games is in Birmingham, Alabama. And mm-hmm. there's all the Olympic teams have been invited to go, right, with two other wildcard entrants. And they're going to call that the World Cup and crown a world it, champion. And I don't which believe is they tough, should. right? I just don't believe they should. If there's not an opportunity to have an open qualifier, mm, how can you have an yes. open World Cup champion, right? So I'm against that, and I've voiced my opinion in writing to WBSC on that. But my issue is is that post that event, there is no host for any event, mm. right? So, um, yeah, other than the Men's World Cup um, in uh, November and in October, um, the Men's Under-23 World Cup, which we know is in Argentina, um, yes, in Santiago del Estero, which is northern Argentina, which so they're trying mm-hmm. to mimic what we did with Palmy, right? Yep. So they're trying to build another venue outside of Paraná, um, which is the home of softball in Argentina. So um, yeah, so good on them. Obviously, there's some concerns in Argentina right now, both health wise and politically. Um, so there's a bit of risk around that one, but the men's World Cup is what the, is what the only is the only focus, you know. And it's interesting for me because if um, the women's under 18 World Cup doesn't go ahead. The last World Cup to have taken place was in New Zealand. Mm. Yeah. Right? We were the only de- only delivery last year. We may be the only delivery next year, right? Yeah. So um, we are becoming more important mm. to WBSC, even though we're a small voice in the bottom of you know, the Pacific with only one casting vote at a conference, right? Out of out of 212 countries and delegates that go um, we don't have a swing vote we don't have a voice um, but we're becoming more a pivot because we've got the opportunity to host mm. and we're the only country in the world that provide a 100% free broadcast production to, to WBSC we have to waive the rights to them of course yeah. so we provide the platform and they get all the revenue from it if there is so um, we are becoming more vital for them um, because we have the capacity and the ability, and 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 you know, and, and the volunteers that are savvy enough to actually do this. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, around the world, uh, with all of the investment in the top six or eight teams in the world on on the Olympic program, none of those mm. teams have the desire or want to host anything. So um, there is there is talk of obviously the next under eighteen boys being in Europe. Um, there's yep. talk of between Czech and maybe Italy, um, but mm-hmm. nothing nothing confirmed. Um, 
and we know that uh, Australia currently don't put their hand up for any hosting of any event. Um, so, yeah, some work to do in that space. Yeah. Now, the under-18, let's talk about the under-18 uh, boys. They are due, if it's just scheduled, to have a qualifier uh, at some time next year. Any, any talk about where that potentially could be? And I guess the qualifier would be Australasian, basically, would it'll, that be correct? It'll be the Oceania and, and qualifier, Pacific? yeah, it'll be the Oceania qualifier. Um, if there's yeah. a need for a qualifier, then the only uh, need for a qualifier is if there's a third team from Oceania that comes into it. So right now, right. if it's just New Zealand and Australia, there is no need. Those two teams, because we get allocated two teams to a World Cup from this region. Yep. Um, so yep. if Samoa or Papua New Guinea put their hand up, um, yep. then, then there'll, there'll be a need for a qualifier. Um, the last qualifier yep. that we had... Um, uh, was two fourteen for the men's World Cup because we had Samoa uh, looking to participate as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, cool. We'll see how that pans out. Well, that's uh, fantastic, uh, uh, Tony. Uh, I mean, look, uh, thank you so much. We're going to get to uh, the wrap in a, a little bit here, but I know uh, Damien's got something for you. It's um, it's time for the all world, but we're going to give you a bit of a break here. We're not going to tell you. We're not tell you. I'm not going to ask you to uh, tell you. You're in my house now, Tony. No jokes. Um, because, this, of course, our old world is going to take on the Martians or whoever Nathan said last week. We're going to get the head official of this country to appoint the official, if you will. You know the players. You know oh, right. there's, some, gotcha. there's some stubborn yeah. people in their lineup with, gotcha. uh, or really, really outspoken people in their lineup. But um, yeah, if you if you could do that for us, that'd be great. Okay. Um, well, if I think about this, um, probably quite a good segue, actually. Uh, <laughs> firstly, before I um, pick the official, I presume you want a home plate umpire or something, right? Um, is um, Great idea. I just want to acknowledge, uh, first of all, actually just today, just this afternoon, we ratified the New Zealand, the Sopo New Zealand Chief Umpire for another two-year term. Uh, so just wanted to publicly congratulate uh, Mr. Wurumu Tamaki, oh, nice. uh, who has been appointed for an additional two-year post uh, as Sopo New Zealand Chief Umpire. So congratulations to Wurumu. He's an incredible leader um, and does some great things with that fraternity. And um, he was the last official um, from New Zealand to participate in the Olympic Games. Uh, yeah, and of course, home plate in Beijing, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, what an incredible honour for him. And um, yeah, he's just a great, great leader and a lot of respect for him. Um, but of course, we've got Tokyo coming up and um, we've got the privilege of having another Kiwi involved and selected by WBSC to go to that event. Um, uh, an individual that was awarded the softballer of the year last year. An individual that um, not only... Uh, was involved in the Women's World Cup finals um, in Beijing, but also uh, involved in the Men's World Cup final in Prague um, and, of course, uh, the softballer of the year last year. So um, my pick for home plate umpire um, for your world team would be the one and only Mr Mark Porteous. Lock it in. Oh, fantastic. What a pick. Guess. What a pick, Damien. Yeah, Good to have him. He's coming up on the show as well. He'll be stoked about that. Oh, is he? 
He sure is indeed. Well, there you go. The official umpire for the Beyond the Dugout All World Men's Team will be North Harbour's and New Zealand's Mark Aportius heading to Tokyo shortly. And as Damien so rightly put, we've got him coming on the uh, podcast in a a couple of weeks' time, or actually more than a couple of weeks. It is the Friday before he flies out on Saturday for the Olympics. That's how close we're going to get him to uh, to his, his wow. birth there. Really looking forward to him going to Tokyo, though, uh, Tony. Yeah, super exciting for him. Um, obviously, I've been in communication with him in the last few months and seen the dialogue he's, and, and the communication he's having with the NZOC and with the WBSC. And, of course, I mean, on some ways, it's fantastic for him, right? And what an opportunity. Mm. Um, in some ways as well, I'm disappointed. Um, because obviously the Olympic Games won't be the theatre spectacular that he would have hoped for, right? And um, with no fans and stuff there and kind of limited kind of uh, involvement in the ceremonial side of the Games. I mean, of course, softball and baseball are one of the first sports to actually commence um, and one of the first sports, therefore, to finish. Um, so, uh, but yeah, um, I know he's training incredibly hard. He's doing all the right things. His communication, his flights are booked, his quarantine's booked. Um, he's had the jab, he's ready to go. So um, we miss Mark and congratulate him and his family um, for the selection uh, to the Tokyo Olympics. Fantastic. Yeah, it is indeed. Can't wait for him to uh, pull out his hoo-ha as he <laughs> strikes out one of those lovely ladies there in Tokyo. Good on to uh, Mark Porteous as he ventures uh, representing New Zealand as the umpire at the Olympics this time. Uh, Tony, I want to talk a little about next week's guests. Uh, we've been talking about the female program quite a lot here. Well, we've got the Bromhead sisters, very prominent family in Auckland, and Bex, uh, Connor, and Tegan wow. will be on the show next week. Wow, that's fantastic. What a, an amazing family they are. I mean, um, yeah, incredible service uh, to the White Sox program. And, uh, of course, I mentioned earlier on just how amazing. I mean, I just think the world of Kyla and what she's doing and giving back to the sport, um, you know, both at yeah. ASA level and, and at Sopo New Zealand level, um, you know, and the and just mentoring the young talent in the battery program as well. Um, and I know her sister's doing an incredible job uh, in the Auckland market and, 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 and working with young talent uh, up there. So, yeah, that'll be a wonderful wonderful interview fantastic well there you go that's coming up next week on Beyond the Dugout but Tony Giles the CEO of Sopo New Zealand thank you so much for taking the time mate it's fantastic to have you on the couch and just to get a little insight of where you've come from your rugby history obviously starting in the 04 moving to Hooks Bay for a little bit there we didn't even touch on the uh, um, the life saving uh, career at Ocean Beach and ducking those yeah, I read some swimming in yeah, we'll leave that one for another podcast. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, mate, uh, thank you so dark. much for having up telling us about the international uh, part of the game with the WBSC, some of the challenges you've faced at Softball New Zealand, but, boy, oh, boy, some of the highlights and what you guys have created with your dedicated staff has surely just been a pleasure to watch. Yeah, thank you, guys. Listen, as I said at the start, I'm just humbled and privileged to be involved in the sport, really humbled and privileged to be in the role that I'm in and, and, and actually doing something that we love and, and and hopefully, hopefully making a difference to our community and uh, so much more to do. So um, let's all just jump in, band together and uh, uh, let's just get this thing done, right? Sure. 
You know we'll do our part. Let's get this thing done. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. It's the CEO of Softball New Zealand, born in Porirua, not Napier. Let's get that right this time. And he's doing a wonderful job. So grateful to have him at the helm here for uh, for Softball New Zealand. He's done a wonderful job since 2013. Can't wait to see the spectacle that he'll put on for the world at the World Cup next year in Rosedale Park. Thank you again, Tony. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Well, Damien, uh, Tony Giles, man, uh, we talked about him being one of the hardest working people on this planet. What an exponent, what a chief executive officer. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, we've watched him the last couple of years, eh? He's, he's been that guy in the dirt at the start of a tournament, making sure grounds are sorted. I remember when I turned up to 18s last year in Palmy, and it was, remember those first couple of days where it was passing down with rain he was already drenched uh trying to sort out diamonds so yeah no mate he's he's a workhorse he he leads by example and he speaks to speak hey eh? like speaks speaks to speak speaks to talk like you know anything he he says he says with conviction with uh the the background behind it you know like it's not just here it is this is why and yeah no it was a it was awesome to sit there and listen to him yeah, it sure was, but and you did right. Now, I didn't bring that up about him working out there in the field and stuff because he's a real humble type of bloke, and and he will want people to know the extra effort that he goes. But behind the scenes, if something is needed, he's a, he's a put your hand up, not put your hand out type guy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and even even what well we did that interview, there were times where we brought up moments, you know, and it was straight back to the the teamwork it was back to it's not just me like yeah i might say this but it's the it's the team behind me so you know (laughs) well eight eight um eight interviews deep now mate you and i and eight very humble elite people that we've interviewed yeah uh, you know, you did right. I mean, don't get me wrong, because Sovereign New Zealand has some fantastic CEOs. Hayden Smith is a great example of one of those. Um, and they may have had some not-so-good ones, uh, but boy, oh boy, this one's... He's a, he's a diamond, for sure, without a doubt. And not in the rough. He is just a, a pure diamond. Yeah, well, you look at someone that's come into a role. He came into a role um, on... You know, he was there to fix something else, and and it and it all fall and fall in place. But you know, to have one game at a prezi, his his softball experience was one game for a pair of plim prezies. You know, so the fact that he's on you know these different boards now and and uh, being able to, you know, use his voice, but I'm sure he's using what we're saying. You know, he he, he does take a lot of feedback on and pass that on. So you know, he's probably there. Yeah. doing exactly what some people say they do and they don't but he probably is you know they're doing speaking for on the behalf of all of us I, I think it's great he doesn't come from a softball background if you ask me Damien you, you can tell he's there on a mission for the sport not because of oh this is the way it was done in the day or how I would have done it if I was playing or if I was coaching he, mm. he doesn't look mm. at it from that sense right he looks at it holistically what's the better 
What's the better thing for the sport? What's a vehicle that can help the sport get to its goals? And how can I support those goals or that vehicle to get to those goals? You know, he just thinks them. And you, you hear that when he talks, right? He talks about, okay, yeah, you can use this, or I need to sell the sport better. Or I, and it's about him creating the opportunities. We see in the end product, but not everyone sees what happens in the engine room to get to that end product. Mm. No, you, you, you're dead right there, there Chopper. Um, we don't. There are a lot, a lot of behind the scenes. The last few years of working in administration and softball committees, um, associations, etc., I've seen a lot of that, that grunt work that goes in behind the scenes. And, and yeah, mate, um, we've, got a, we've got a special one up there that is uh, leading the charge. Sure do, buddy. And I like how I asked him the question, you know, what, what is it about softball that makes you tick? And he just straight away, without blinking an eye, it's the people, man. Yeah. It is. And he talked about that the, the, the sport itself with softball in New Zealand only has a very minute percentage of people that are paid to administrate this uh, this game and it's all the volunteers and those are the people that really make it for him and man for a guy who's been now in the, the in the top job for eight years uh at softball new zealand with the drive and the passion to continue it looks like for another eight easily mm. um boy oh boy we are in a, in a good shape fastball 45 bags an example and the world cups yeah. i mean when he when he got the uh, decided to bid for the under 18 i was like dude you're crazy mm. so mate you've got an, a men's world cup coming in a year after that you know one at a time buddy and he's like chopper watch me do it and you know what he did it he did. He did. We were there. That that um that junior worlds was awesome. Yeah, I, I'm just impressed to be around a guy like that. You know, and it doesn't matter who it is. We have a lot of great people in our sport of softball. People that oh. can think outside the square, really put the effort in, and uh, and come up with the goods. And it's rewarding to watch. Oh, absolutely, mate. I mean, we you, we talk about the the graft behind the scenes, the team effort, and if you do get uh, to one of those um, amazing. Uh, shows that we put on across the country called our, our national tournaments etc um, Tony you know he's, he's passionate about the product so you know he is that that man that will be walking around you know shaking the hands and, and, and networking but he also be keeping an eye on the product and making sure but I also yep. find I think getting to know him over the last couple of years that he is actually a softball fan like he loves our product and when you when you do catch him in the moment when he is you know kind of let the stress go down and and deal with other stuff you know the, you do see him really enjoy it sure is indeed next week bud the Bromhead sisters Bex uh, Kyla and Tegan the good the bad and the naughty <laughs> well I'm glad I'm glad that's how you ended that mate yeah no 6-9 and 69 um, you know their numbers not anything else uh, related there um, yeah no three sisters uh, I to wear the the white socks I think they're only three um, but they only got you know they got one or two games or, or something but still that's history isn't it and and it is next week we get to talk to all three of them yeah man yeah. but it's fantastic too they do a lot for our sport I, I love what I see them doing with our sport now uh, I mean, however they're still playing at the highest level especially two of them uh, Tegan's a little a little banged up I think she's about to come back and play which is great but uh, yep to represent their fern I know their mum Fran was super proud that day at Rosedale when they got to do that together um, but I mean they're going to be great man they're good insight to the game they speak Bex she speaks so well oh, and yeah. Um, yeah let's face it the Westies is going to be fun oh yeah 
I was born with Stockholm, mate. You knew that, didn't you? <laughs> that it all starts to make sense now. <laughs> Born in West Auckland, grew up in Upper Hut, mate. I'm Bogan Royalty. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Beyond the Dugout, episode eight. It was Tony Giles, was our special guest this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, on behalf of Damien Collins, I've been Jason Goobies, aka Chopper, and we'll see you all next week. See you. Beyond the dugout, lace them up and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Picture on the mound like you don't want to face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases. Do it for your teammates, do it for the fam. Do it for your city, true ballers understand. You gotta work together, you gotta find a way. Put your body on the line and make that play. Beyond the dugout, lace them up and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Picture on the mound like you don't want to face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases. Beyond the dugout. Beyond the dugout. Beyond the dugout. Beyond the dugout.